Good morning, church. Good morning online. If you are excited for the word, please throw down your favorite emoji right now. I want to see how excited you are to hear the word of God. Come on, everybody watching online, go ahead and put a thumbs up, thumbs down, just something to let me know you're watching and you're excited about what God is doing today. Uh, you're looking good, church. I was looking around during worship. It feels good in here. It feels like people are hungry for the Lord this morning. People came to do business with God, and I'm excited to see you. I see some new faces, people that I've not yet met that I'll get to meet at some point uh, today after service. God is good, amen? I want to start off and just first of all thank the cleaning team at the Exchange Church. You know, there are many heroes at the church. Uh, you see a lot of them on platform. You hear a lot of them. Um, a lot of them, when you pick up your kids, you see them. I mean, heroes galore. But there is a team that you don't really ever run into. It's a cleaning team. And the cleaning team, man, let me tell you, since COVID, and this is not uh, a new task, but since COVID for the past year, every time we come into this church, you can guarantee that doorknobs have been disinfected and light switches have been disinfected toilet seats of course jesus help us have always been dis disinfected even pre-covid but uh and it's just extra like i'm just i, I ran into one of them and it's a, it's a smaller team as well uh cheryl biggs leads the team cheryl's on staff at the exchange yeah let's give it up for cheryl and she and she has a, a few great people uh Marie, I'm going to leave someone out, I know, but Marie uh, Snyder and Amanda Clean uh, are up there here during the week cleaning, and then we've got Jessica Carmona, who faithfully cleans the house, and we've got Anthony, who uh, cleans the house, uh, we've got Tracy, I don't know if it's Tracy's choice or Mama's choice, but Tracy, thank you for cleaning the house. Did I miss someone? Albert, Albert Everts does a lot of cleaning around here. Can we just give it up one more time for our cleaning team? That's awesome. I, I just think, you know, and really, there are times that I've, I've cleaned a toilet or two, and I just remind myself in that moment, this is all for you, Jesus. This is all for you, and I'm just really grateful. I'm really grateful for that team. Um, a couple people or nations that I'd like you to be praying for this week. I'd like you to be praying for Haiti. If you've been following the news, Haiti encountered a 72 I believe is the current number given to it, 7.2 earthquake, and it's pretty significant. Hundreds of people, around 300, upwards of 300 have died. And if you've ever been to Haiti, we have a, an orphanage there that we were supporting for a number of years. And Sini, our point of contact that is there, he's a, a pastor, preacher, he ministers to kids all in the region. We support him still. and. We've, we've sent a team multiple times to Haiti, and if you've ever been there or you're familiar with it, you know that when there's destruction, it's not easily rebuilt. It's not like in America where, you know, if there's a crack in the road, we just send out the crews. Um, so I feel a little bit emotional because I was watching some videos yesterday of the concrete walls that they use for protection in their homesteads, um, just really devastated and broken and roads, you know, with four inch gaps in the road as bicycles are riding over it and cars are riding over it. I mean, it just complete, complete devastation. So we're praying for Haiti. As far as we know, our contacts there, our partnerships there are fine. 
It was a bit southwest of Port-au-Prince. And where we go and minister to is north of Port-au-Prince. So it should, they should not have been affected, but people were affected. And we just have a heart for Haiti. So will you please be praying for Haiti this week? Amen. Also, I would like you to be praying for Afghanistan right now. Um, Afghanistan is currently, as we speak, in a struggle, in a fight with the Taliban. Taliban is uh, overtaking uh, Kabul. And I got a notification, actually, that the Afghanistan president fled the country about an hour ago. That's when the notification came in. Um, so there's a lot of destabilization. Of course, the America, the president, sending troops over to help. We're trying to get people out. Like, I don't want to get into the politics of it. I'm just saying to you that people are hurting in Afghanistan, and we need to be praying for them. We need to be praying that God will um, just cover them, just give them peace. He will give them provision. He will rescue them. Uh, we do know that uh, this plays into Bible prophecy. So I'm not surprised by it. You shouldn't be either. Uh, how does that play into Bible prophecy? Glad you asked. Well, Afghanistan is just to the east of Iraq, which is just to the east of uh, Syria. Am I, am I right? Geography majors? It, it's very close to Israel. So you've got Israel to the north of that. You've got Lebanon. You've got Syria. Um, the other side of Syria, you've got Iraq, and then you've got Afghanistan. Well, we know in Ezekiel 38, Ezekiel 39, in the end of days, there's going to be a Gog-Magog war. There are actually a number of Gog-Magog wars. Um, some people think there's only one because it calls it the Gog-Magog war, but that's just like lingo for people of that region. So there are many or multiple wars. Uh, but we know in the end of days, there will be a massive Gog-Magog war. There will be an invasion, destruction of uh, Jerusalem at some point. The armies will surround Israel at some point. And we see the increasing destabilization of that area. Now, in Afghanistan, that is made up, will be in two to three weeks as the Taliban are taking control. The Taliban are the Sunnis. You have Sunnis and Shiites, Muslim people, okay? The Sunni Muslims are very radical. It would be like our, if we were to compare it to Christianity, David Koresh, all right? David Koresh is wacko, the wacko in Waco. No Christian wants to be identified with him, right? The, the Sunnis are, are the radicals. They, you know, death to America, death to Christians, death to anyone that's not us. But then you have Muslims that are Shiites. Um, and these are, that's why many of us know Muslims that are just wonderful people, right? They just are lovely people, and the, the Shiites are people um, who believe in humanity, who like to do good. Well, there's a, an internal war in the Middle East of the Sunnis and the Shiites. Are you following me? Is this making any sense? Okay, so Afghanistan, the Taliban are the Sunnis, the radicals. Um, there are many Afghan people that are Shiite, lovely, wonderful, beautiful people that we need to be praying for God's hand of protection over them. They still need to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, right? Not all roads lead to heaven, um, but they have good hearts and we need to be praying for them. And, and uh, what we're going to see happen according to scripture is the Sunni population will increase. It will embolden Iraq. 
Iraq and Russia who were already in cahoots. By the way, they're stationed right even now. They have been for over a year in Syria. They have troops in Syria, just north of Israel. Um, you've probably seen on the news that Russia and told Israel not to fly over Syria and Russia's protecting the airspace. Things are heating up, church. It's really tense over there. It's really fun to watch. Uh, let me retract that statement. It, it's not fun. It, it's devastating, quite honestly, the pain that's happening. It's just that we're not surprised because scripture thousands of years ago already said this was going to happen, which in and of itself, by the way, is proof of a God who authored the Bible because it describes a nation who has been destroyed not once, not, not even just twice. It, it's been regathered multiple times. It describes the end of day scenario with nations aligned that are currently aligned, currently aligned. Did you know that Iraq and Israel were once friends? Like 25 to 30 years ago, they weren't enemies like they are now, but we see the, the uh, geopolitical trends shifting in that area. And right now everything is lining up to scripture. So I'm not surprised by Afghanistan. We see that it's going to embolden Iraq. Iraq and Russia will want to invade Israel. Thus, we will have Ezekiel 38, 39 war. There are five nations involved. Russia and uh, Iraq are the primary ones that the Bible talks about. There are three other key players uh, involved. And we do know that the rapture of the church, Jesus, the people that uh, love Jesus, they're following him or committed to him. They will be raptured prior to Ezekiel 38, 39 according to my theology at least. And uh, so when you see something on the horizon and you know Jesus is going to come before that, you know it's pretty soon, right? It's, it's kind of like um, when you see Christmas decorations out in stores, you know that Thanksgiving is just around the corner, <laughs> right? So when you see everything lining up, what scripture says about the end of days, we know that the return of Jesus is oh so very soon. And guess what? Titus 2.13 tells us that the return of Jesus is our blessed hope. That is our hope. And we're in a series called The Anthem of Hope. And, and I want you to understand that hope isn't measured by circumstance. It's not measured on your bank account. It's not measured on how you feel or, or, or what's going through your mind during that day. Or if you got a good night's sleep. Or, or, or if your kids are doing what they need to be doing. Hope is only measured by the access and authority of Jesus Christ over your life. I'll say that again. The amount of hope that you and I have is directly proportional to the amount of authority and access that we've given Jesus to our life. And we've talked the last few weeks about Jesus in Revelation chapter 3. He says that he has the key, not a key the key. And I want to continue that discussion with you today. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, God, that you are our hope. God, in a world that is spinning out of control, and people are hurting, and there are natural disasters, and there, there are wars and rumors of wars, God, we thank you that even in the middle of chaos, we can be confident in a God who knows exactly what's going on. God, you're not caught off guard. You're not taken by surprise. You're not sitting in heaven asking the angels what you should do next. You know exactly the steps that we're taking. So God, we put our hope in you. 
a foundation that is sure, a foundation that cannot be shaken. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this room and I ask God that you would, as I speak this sermon, you would just divide it 400 different ways so that every person listening will know that they have encountered the word of God and the presence of God here today. In Jesus' name I pray, let the church say, amen, amen. I want to pick up right where I left off in Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. So turn with me in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. says, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. Now, I told you the past several weeks that it's in red. That means Jesus is saying it. John has had a vision or he's been teleported, transported, or what, however you want to view that. He's now um, or about to see what's going on in heaven. And in Revelation chapter 4, we hear a voice say, come up here and I will show you these things, right? Um, but prior to chapter 4, he's talking to the seven churches. In chapter 3, our text today, we're talking to the church of Philadelphia, the faithful church, the church of brotherly, brotherly love. And Jesus first says that he is holy and true. Now, we've talked about that. I don't want to recap it. I, recap it. I just want to make sure that you understand that Isaiah 40, verse 25, tells us, to whom will you compare me or who is my equal, says the Holy One. So when Jesus calls himself holy, it's much bigger than a behavior modification program. He's saying he is holy. He's comparing himself to God. He is saying, I, am, I don't just do good things. I am good. I am the reason there is goodness. I am God. And then in Matthew 28, don't need that. In Matthew 28, Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. When Jesus died on a cross, went into the grave, rose again on the third day, all authority in heaven and earth was given to him. He has the key. He has the master key. The key that fits any door that he wants open and the key that will lock any door he wants closed. He's got the key. And then we learn in Matthew 16, verse 19, that he gives you and I the keys, plural. He gives us multiple keys. That doesn't mean he gives you four master keys. He's got the master key and he will give you the keys that you need when you need them. In other words, if you feel like God has called you to a door, you don't need to sit there and bang on the door to get it to open. You need to check your keychain because it's, if it's time for the door to open, he's given you the key for that door. This is, this is great news for those of us who, who love to play God for ourselves, or who love to play God for our spouse or our kids and we're trying to make everything happen and position everything. God has the master key. He has the master key. Then we get to Revelation verse 8. 
Jesus says to the church of Philadelphia, I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it for you have little strength. Look at your neighbor and say little strength. You have little strength, he says to the church of Philadelphia. But you have kept my word and have not denied my name. So those of us who are in a place where we're needing hope to be our anchor, where we're needing doors to open for our life, we see here in Revelation chapter 3 that there is a, a church that seemingly has little strength, but they've kept his word and they've not denied his name. They've kept his word and not denied his name. I know we hate the word obedience, okay? Can we just say it and just all shiver for a moment? Ooh, we hate the word obedience, right? When my kids were growing up in Sunday school, ooh, that's an old word, we used to sing the song, O-B-E-Y, uh, uh, obey your mom and dad. Anyone learn that song? No one. That's because our kids grew up and they've eliminated that song from history. O-B-E-Y, obey your mom and dad. I know we don't like the word obedience. It just seems so stiff and so rigid, and I don't get to express my individuality. I, I don't like the word obedience, but here's what I do know. Obedience will unlock doors that nothing else will unlock. One of the problems today is that we have part-time Christians that want a full-time God. We want to obey God when it's convenient, walk down the hall when only the lights are on. We, we want to sit at the table all, only after we see the food there. Are you following me? A lot of this is metaphorical, right? We don't want to obey God and do what he says because it doesn't make any sense to us. But God, if you wanted me to sit at the table, I would see a feast there already. But many times the feast doesn't show up until you have the faith to pull out the chair and sit down at a table that looks completely bare and empty. Yeah. Obedience will bring a spiritual release. Physical obedience will bring a spiritual release. We say this all the time when we're promoting baptisms. That's one of the, the benefits of baptism. A physical obedience of, of getting wet, lo looking ridiculous, looking, looking crazy, dunking under... Um, so we can identify with Christ and so the world can see physical obedience brings a spiritual release. Speaking of baptisms, we have baptisms on the 22nd. I believe that's next week. On Sunday, if you want to get baptized, please sign up today. We would love to walk you through baptism. <clears throat> Let's jump to uh, verse 8. Let's read verse 8 one more time. I know your works. See, I've set before you an open door. How many of you would just like the Lord to set before you right now an open door? Can we just be honest? We just need an open door. We just want him to, to open up the door, set it right in front of us. Because here's what I know about God. He will open up doors that I am powerless to open. Now, for some of us, that might just be a cliche, might just be a saying. But once you've encountered the Lord opening something that you knew no man could open, right? When, when you've seen him do something for you, make something happen that no one could make happen, 
then all of a sudden you start to put your trust in his capacity, his ability. He actually can set before you an open door. He says here that he sees that they have little power. In front of the people with little power, he sets an open door. Little power. That, that means they don't have much means. They don't have many connections. They don't have a five-year plan, 10-year plan. They have little power. They aren't effective. They feel like their voice isn't being heard. They feel like they're running on the treadmill and never making any real traction in life. They have little power. I don't know if you've ever felt like you have little power. Trying to raise teenagers. I, I love teenagers, by the way, but I'm just saying. You ever told them the same thing a thousand times? Every day. And sometimes you just feel powerless. Like, and then they think you are the enemy, and you're not the enemy. You're just wanting to help them. You're wanting to help grow them into their God potential, right? And, and you keep on, and you keep on, and it feels like you have little power. Anybody have some young adult children that has caused you to pray a little bit more? Can I get it? Amen. My young adult children, I just need to go on record right now saying that they are totally a blessing in my life because my kids watch these sermons. Um, my adult children are complete 100% blessings. And, and I'm not saying that every young adult child needs to be a curse. I'm simply saying that I hear stories where you feel like as a parent you have little power. Little power. There's something about this little power that allows an open door to be set before. Yeah. Now, if you don't think you have little power, maybe that's why you're not finding open doors. If you think you've got it all figured out and you have strategized and you have found a way to make what you want to happen, happen. Maybe that's why you're not seeing the open doors. Maybe why, why you're not sensing the hope that you need because you've already got it all figured out. Yeah. There is something about little power. So today, no matter how much success you have, no matter how much influence you have, no matter how much money you have, I'm here to remind us, let's keep ourselves small. And I know that's hard. It is harder in this generation than any generation before to keep yourself small. Because we get behind a keyboard and we suddenly feel so grand. Right? Our opinions matter so much. It's really hard to keep yourself humble. It really is. It's hard for me. It's hard for you. But humility does something. To us, humility sets us before doors that pride never will. Humility is a big deal to God. Those of little power often find open doors. Why is that? Because those with a lot of power are very self-sufficient. Now, I love the notion of independence. It is my goal to raise an independent child so that at some season in their life, hopefully, hopefully before they're 30 or 40 or 50, they're able to get out of my house and live on their own 
make their own family. Do you know what I mean? That, that should be our goal. Contribute to society. Understand how to budget, uh, as Greg was talking about. Understand what it means to serve in the house of the Lord. Understand what it means to be kind. Like all of these things, it's, it's my goal to create independent little humans. Right? So I, I'm not suggesting that independence is a bad thing. But if we're not careful, we will teach our kids to be self-sufficient, which is totally different. So maybe we should use the word interdependence. Independent, but relying on God. You see, we, we know for a fact that there are a lot of issues that happen in our life from self-sufficiency. Self-sufficiency will cause you to fall into addiction. Self-sufficiency will lead you to divorce court. Self-sufficiency will cause you to be a workaholic and have anxiety and be stressed and be a bear. Are you with me? Self-sufficiency, when we rely on, on ourselves, hope dwindles. Because if I'm self-sufficient, then I rely on hope to come from within me and listen. When you live a large life, you need hope that is bigger than what you can provide for yourself. Verse 9 says, Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan, who they say are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and know that I have loved you. Jesus is saying that there is a group of people, um, those of the synagogue of Satan. In other words, those who are not of God in the church house. All right, Just because you are in church, by the way, doesn't mean you are of God. Can I get an amen? amen? We tell people all the time, watch your purse around here. Oh, we had somebody, uh, something got stolen out of the purse years back. And they're like, can you believe this happened to church? And I said, praise the Lord. We have sinners coming to church. This is a great thing. I wouldn't want to trust everyone in this room. In fact, I don't trust half of you. That's the way it should be. The church isn't just here for the saints. It's here for us to reach a lost and dying world. And that means when you check out your kid from EKG, you might want to hold on to them. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Synagogue of Satan, who say they are Jews and are not. There are people who are, will say they are Jews and are not, by the way. They're I don't have time to get into this, but there's a, a black Hebrew Israelite movement. They claim to be the true Jews. That is a false doctrine. Don't fall for it. If you've already fallen for it, set up a meeting with me. I'll walk you through scripture and explain why it's a false doctrine. Um, but the Jews that are in Israel right now, they are not the false synagogue. They are actually the Jews from the tribe of Judah. Okay, so... Um, he says that there will be people who try to come against you. God says, I'm going to let them know, though, that you have more power than you look like. There are going to be people try to come against you, and God is going to let them know that you have more power than you look like. There are going to be situations, not even people-related, situations and circumstances that try to come against you, and God is going to let that circumstance know that you have more power than you look like. You do. You, you've heard the story, maybe there are two dogs. 
There's two dogs. There's a big dog and a little dog. And they're in the backyard and they're trying to get through the back door. It's a big German shepherd. That's what it was. German shepherd. It's a big dog. And he looks down at the little dog. He says, hey, little dog, I bet you can't open this door like I can open this door. And the little dog said, oh, really, big dog? Why don't you show me, big dog? So the big dog walks over to the door and he puts his front paws up on the door and then he, he gets his mouth and he's like, rawr, 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 rawr. and he's, you know, using his teeth and he's trying to turn the knob and he's just sweating, drooling, he's turning and he's Two, two minutes, two and a half, three minutes goes by and he gets the door open and the door opens. He walks in. He said, look at that little dog. Now beat that. So he closes the door back, stands back. He said, all right, little dog, you saw what I did. You can't, you can't even reach the door. I want to see you open the door now. So the little dog looks up at the big dog. He says, all right, big dog, I will. Little dog walks over the door, says, burp, burp. scratches the door once. Man inside comes in, opens the door, and the little dog walks in. <laughs> when you know who is on the inside, you don't have to worry and stress and create crazy trauma and drama about getting doors open that appear locked. You just need to let your voice be made known, and the one that's inside who wants you inside will open the door for you. Can I get a good amen from somebody who has little strength this morning but wants to stand before an open door? Verse 10, because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Verse 11, behold, I come quickly. Everybody say quickly. Behold, I come quickly. Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. Jesus says, I come quickly. I love the word quickly. I mean, suddenly. Out of nowhere, blindsided by Jesus, when I'm needing a door to open or I'm needing a door to close, when I, when I feel like I'm in it alone and my prayers are hitting the ceiling and coming back down, listen, just because God is silent doesn't mean that God is still. Suddenly, he loves to do stuff suddenly so that when stuff happens for you, you can't give credit to your planning, to your strategy, to your education, to your money, to your connections, to your good works. Behold, I come quickly. This, friends, is the hope that you and I have. That it doesn't matter what the situation looks like in the here and now. Because we serve a God who shows up on the scene quickly. And so our perspective isn't shaken by what we see. There were these two old boys who went to Montana because they heard that in Montana, uh, they had an overpopulation of wolves. And so Jeb, Jeb and Sam went to Montana and, you know, for $5,000 each wolf, if you turned in the wolf, the, the the city would give you $5,000. And so Jeb and Sam, they needed money. So they said, let's pack our stuff. Let's go camp. Let's go out to the range and let's get us some wolves. And so Jeb and Sam, they pitch a tent and 
they, they go to sleep, they get ready to hunt early in the morning. But in the middle of the night, they wake up to hear not one growl, not two, not three, but an entire army of, of growling wolves. And they look outside the tent and there are 50 wolves drooling, their teeth, sharp teeth, jagged teeth, ready to devour. They are surrounding the tent and it is, it is loud and deafening. Jeb looks at Sam and he said, Sam, we're rich. <laughs> Perspective matters. Are you going to see the prosperity in an opportunity? Or are you going to see the challenge and the potential death? It's dramatic. He who overcomes, verse 12, we're wrapping this up. I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I will write on him my new name to him who overcomes that's what i want to leave you with today let's stop stirring the hopelessness among us and let's start stirring the overcoming spirit among us to he who overcomes there's going to be a new name a new name a couple weeks ago I got a call that the alarm at the church had gone off and no one was at the church. And um, I found out that, you know, and it happens from time to time that the front door alarm will go off and uh, we figured out, you know, if that happens, whatever. But this had the front door alarm, a back sensor alarm, and then a mid sensor alarm. That means someone was in our building. So they said, do you want to go? And I said, um, where's Cheryl? I said, yes, I'll go. So I came to the church and they said, don't, don't go inside until the police get there because they don't want me to end up in here. They think that I'm the bad guy and I'm really the pastor of the church. And they, you know, what, you know how it all goes. So I'm sitting out there waiting. And then a fireman, a, a guy with a fire badge, he not dressed up in fireman clothes, but he had like fire, comes walking and he's standing at the door and I get out and I'm like, hey, sir. Uh, how you doing? And he said, do you work here? And I said, yes, I do. And so I go and I start opening the door and inside I'm freaking out because I realize he's a fireman, not a cop. And now we're going to have two people inside the church when the cops show up. And so we're walking and I said, uh, actually, the alarm just went off and it was a back sensor and a middle sensor. And we've made it through the well. As I'm explaining to him, I'm actually supposed to be waiting for the cop right now because the firemen will show up from time to time to do inspections or whatever, right? And to make sure we're, we're in code. And, and, and as we're walking, I'm really panicked that somebody is about to take out me and this little dude. And when you think of firemen, I'm not talking about like a calendar fireman with muscles. This was a <laughs> short little dude, right? So it's going to rely on me to help solve the situation. And I'm thinking we're, we're gone. And then I realized he's the one that set off the alarm because the unit down there had 
fire alarms going off. Our building didn't, but they couldn't get them to reset. And we have a box in the back of our church. So he came in before I even knew anything. He triggered the alarm because he was trying to fix the situation. And I'm walking out just kind of laughing, thinking, how stressful is it when you forget that you're not the only one with a key? There is a God in heaven who has the key to every door that you need opened. And you've been trying to make it happen yourself for oh so long. No wonder you have no hope. No wonder you're exhausted and you're tired. So my challenge to us today is to realize that our Father, the one with the key, he, he is fighting for you. He is running with you. And there is hope. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I thank you. God, I thank you that you are our hope. The tendency is to give up, but God, we're going to choose to hold on. We're going to choose to hold on through whatever situations we're going through, through whatever challenges we're going through. God, we understand that the God of hope will not leave us. God, you will not walk away. So God, every person in this room right now, every person that is watching online, I just sense that there are some among us that are ready to say yes to Jesus. You've not really made him the Lord of your life. You've not committed yourself fully to him, but it's time. You've been sensing that there is a drawing that's taking place and it's time, it's time, it is time to say yes to your creator. If that's you, if you're in the room or watching online, if you're ready to say yes to Jesus, you're ready to put your faith in the one who died for you, who rose from the grave so that you can walk in victory. If you're ready to say yes to Jesus, will you just wave your hand at me? I just need to know. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that hand. Thank you. For those that are online, don't let this moment pass you by. Lift, lift that hand in the air right now. It's just an act of faith. Something that is physical obedience, bringing a spiritual release in this moment. Church, can we all just say this prayer together? Father, I know that I'm a sinner, but I believe that Jesus Christ died for me. I believe that he rose again on the third day. I believe that he's calling me home. So I say yes to you, God. You're my Savior and Lord. From this moment forward, my life will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you just said yes to Jesus, listen, your next step is baptism, which is next week, the 22nd. So please email us, call us, sign up online. Uh, also, if you said yes, I want you to text NEXT, N-E-X-T, to 512-980-1220. Church, will you stand to your feet? this morning. Can we give it up for Jesus? Amen. So good to see you. So good to see all of these 
emojis online. Uh, so glad that you guys are watching, man, your family. I love you guys so much. You've been to church. Now go out there and be the church. We'll see you Wednesday at Awaken 630 or Sunday at 1030 a.m. Be blessed. Thank you.